Alright everybody, so I've had a lot of people reach out to me, giving me a lot of support for signing the People in Tech podcast, and I want to really first say thank you for supporting me, but this Anchor platform has been amazing and been changing my life, getting me connected with some people in this industry that I never thought I would actually get to not only have conversations with, but learn from. And I know some of you who are tuning in are asking, Caleb, how'd you start a podcast? You know, when I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other places people listen to? How do I make money from my podcast? Well, keep it simple. The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. And we Ridiculously easy to use. My very first episode I did for my iPhone 6 Plus. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors too. So you can get paid to do your own podcast. Hop on the Anchor platform so we can collaborate and build this community up. You know, one thing I love most about Anchor is that they're constantly being innovative, you know, allowing podcasts to leverage music, get sponsorship, get paid, and ultimately, be the best content creator you can be. So if you've always wanted to start your podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. Again, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. How do you do PR and tech? Have you ever failed? Are you listening? You're listening to the People in Tech podcast, a technology show that's made for the people. Join the conversation with your host, Caleb King. What's up, day one listeners? Welcome back to the show. And today, we're going to be talking about everything you need to know about PR and tech. And since I'm not a PR expert myself, I brought on the lovely Heather Hawkins to help us out today. Now, for those of you who don't know who Heather is, let me give you a quick rundown of what she's done. She's a former radio DJ and stand-up comedian, but she was also the name and face of the launch of the Sega Dreamcast. She was a key component in PR relations for the very popular franchise, Tomb Raider. She worked with the legend himself, David Bowie. She's also worked for Sony Electronics. She's led several PR campaigns for CNET, and she just has a plethora of experience. So for today's episode, we're going to do a typical PR 101, everything you need to know about what PR is, and then Heather's going to help us debunk some PR myths that you've probably been hearing. It's going to be a great episode. Let's get into it. Put them up. Turn it up. Yeah. You're, you're now rocking with DJ Side Hustle. You're now rocking with the best. Don't forget to sign up for your membership on our site, peopleintech.us. Check us out online, baby. Exclusive content dropping every week. What's up, Day One listeners? And today we have the lovely Heather Hawkins on the podcast. So, Heather, thank you so much for being on the show. Before we kick today's episode off, do you have anything to say to the Day One listeners? <laughs> Just hello and thank you to you so much for having me on. I've been listening to the past couple episodes of the podcast. I think we're going to have a blast together. Yeah, I am looking forward to this one. Um, so, Heather, when you sent over your story, I was like, man, what hasn't this lady done? So um, we always like to ask all our guests on the show um, the very traditional question, how did you get into tech? 
Oh man. So I got into tech completely by accident. I'm actually, my father and my brother are both electrical engineers. So me being kind of the artsy fartsy one in the family, ask me how well that went when my math and technology started rolling around. Um, when I graduated from college, I had no goal other than that. I wanted to be famous. And I also had no talents that would portend fame in any way. Um, so I decided I was going to go into radio and I found out my mentor pulled me aside, probably like six months into my first commercial radio, um, gig and said, you know, there is no no money in radio until you get to like five years in. And there was also no, um, no creativity. And at the time I was doing stand up, and I really wanted to like be creative. You cannot be creative on commercial radio. And there was an ad in my campus. I was finishing up a class in college. There was an ad in my campus radio station that said, hey, do you know radio? There's this company that wants to have you come be their intern. And oh, by the way, they'll pay you 1500 bucks a month for this internship. And at the time I was like, oh my goodness, that's, that's like retirement money. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hardcore job making $1,500 a month. Um, and I showed up at that agency. It turns out it was a PR agency. You know, I had a journalism degree and I was graduating in radio, but, but somehow I did not even know what PR was, but their main client was Sega, the video game company. And just by happenstance, I had blue hair. <laughs> and if you know anything about Sega, uh, the blue headed creatures are kind of in their wheelhouse. Um, so basically I knew nothing about PR, started this internship at this company um, and just got catapulted into PR and technology. Um, so a little while after I was at that agency, I got recruited to go over to IDOS Interactive, which created the Tomb Raider franchise. And then Sega came and got me and I got to be the name in the face of Sega Dreamcast for the launch of their final hardware platform. Um, best, hands down, the best experience of my career. I still get chills talking about launching that video game platform. Um, and then I just kind of continued on. I mean, living in the San Francisco Bay Area, you have to have your hands in technology all the time. And I feel like almost every marketing and public relations modality that I have ever used with a client is something that changes when, you know, when technology advances. So I love the fact that I'm doing something that's very creative and communication and all of that, but I also get to keep my hands in technology and get to learn about and use technology all the time. Okay. So Heather, you dived into a lot of different things and I want to go into more detail uh, throughout this episode, but for our day one listeners, uh, I know I have a certain definition of PR. But what exactly is PR? How would you yeah. define it? Yeah, so um, PR is really, really the slice of PR that I do is really earned media awareness. So it's basically any opportunity to get the name of your brand, the name of the company, the name of your product out there in a way where there is a gatekeeper. So if you're pitching a reporter at a newspaper and that reporter writes about you and puts you in their article, you know, they were the gatekeeper. There's what I like to call a halo of endorsement that happens when a reporter does that. If you are pitching yourself to be a speaker at a conference and it's a well-known conference, you know, and a person picks you, the, the promoter, the creator of that conference picks you to be on that stage, you being on that stage means that someone had faith in you and somebody kind of co-signs 
your message or your validity. Um, you inviting me to be on this podcast, again, thank you very much, um, means that you trust me and you're telling your listeners, you know, this person has something of worth. This is like a legitimate, authentic human being. Um, so it's a different slice of marketing than placing an ad. It's a different slice of marketing even than paying an influencer um, because it is, it is because you earned your right to be there. So when I talk about PR, I really talk about all of the earned visibility, earned marketing opportunities and public relations, PR stands for public relations. And it, and it originally kind of sprang from the fact that the best way to relate with your public was through the media. However, media is changing so much now that it's not nearly that cut and dried. So um, PR, public relations, does not have to do with like customer support, although it would be within my purview to advise a client on, hey, how are some ways that when you're dealing with your customer, you can ease that communication or you can use that as an opportunity to get your brand or your message out there. But it's not, um, I used to get calls at SIG all the time where people would be like, is this the public relations desk? And I would be like, this is press relations. How can I help you? Like, like, I'm not here to walk you through, you know, why your Dreamcast isn't loading or why you're stuck on level three and can't seem to like find the peanut in the haystack or whatever. Um, so that's kind of the clarification uh, for me is earned awareness where there is a gatekeeper. Okay, I like that definition because that leads into my next question. So being a technology podcast, uh, but we also like to talk about things, culture, uh, everything going on around the world, current events. But like you said, technology changing so much. So how does PR happen in the tech world? Oh, how does PR happen in the tech world? Um, so really, it, it happens in a way um, person, you know, creates product, gets in touch with a reporter. This is presumably how it should happen. Gets in touch with a reporter. Um, reporter says, oh yeah, this product is playing in a trend space or this product is indicative of something larger that's happening in overall technology. Um, yes, why don't I talk to you about you know, how you created this product. Let me talk to you about why you created this product. Let me talk to you about, you know, why this product matters. Um, and then they write and include you in their article. Nowadays, though, what people really need to keep an eye out for is whether that content is actually unbiased because media is changing so quickly. Um, I know we've all heard about consolidation of media and, you know, fewer reporters, you know, needing to fill just as much, if not more space. I mean, now all of these magazines are, are expounding and expounding. And I can tell you that I used to make outreach to, you know, if I made outreach to say 10 media, just to keep the numbers clean, if I made outreach to 10 media, I would get, you know, probably about, you know, half of them never write back because it's just not in their wheelhouse or too busy to write back. Um, and then, you know, the other five would write back with, um, you know, yes, I like this, let's do more, or no, I don't like this, let's, let's not do more. Now, if I send 10 outlets, 10 emails to outlets, I get back minimum four, um, buy an ad, buy an article. So there are media that, in addition to writing relatively you know, unbiased content, they also do accept affiliate kickbacks. So that means that they might embed a link in their coverage um, 
where they actually get money for having written that. So they should be disclosing that. Any media that's getting money for the purpose of writing an article should be disclosing that. So I just always encourage people to know where your news is coming from, especially if it's like you're about to sink $2,000 on a new you know, desktop system or whatever, you want to know, is this getting lead billing because this writer's getting a kickback or this was paid content or is this person actually unbiased? You know, were they writing it from an editorial point of view um, or is this like how they're making their money is getting me to buy this thing? Because I'm, I'm from the old school of journalism where it, at my college newspaper, I had to review a I had to review this traveling show featuring the mom from Happy Days who came and performed at my community college. And like, I had to pay cash money to go see that because they didn't want my review biased by the fact that they had let us in for free. I mean, that's the extent to which true journalistic um, integrity should be at play. It's not that way anymore by any means and hasn't been for a long time. But I do just always encourage people to keep an eye out for signs that something might be sponsored or something might be um, up there because it's affiliate content. Okay, that makes sense. So that actually leads into uh, another good uh, segment that I have for you. Now, you know, you were talking about journalism, talking about how things have changed over time. Uh, one of the things we constantly hear about in 2019 is fake news. And mm -hmm. it, it seems like some, some people are leveraging fake news to get free advertisement. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. And, you know, what are things we could be aware of? And how can you actually leverage that if that's possible? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I have a, I have a hard time, I guess, with, you know, the concept of fake news. I mean, I understand it like in a, in a political climate, I think a lot of times people use the word fake news to mean like just news that they don't particularly care for. <laughs> um, I think that in the world of, you know, consumer products, the things that happen. So there's something called trend jacking that some people in the PR world are really into. And that's where something happens. And so you something happens like in the larger social culture phenomena space. And so you turn really quickly to attach yourself to whatever the thing is that happens. So like, you know, all these influencer kids are on an island thinking they're going to fire festival and i just heard about it on twitter what can i do this afternoon to attach my brand to what's going on at fire festival what can i do to like hop on this train um and the thing that i that i caution um that i caution brands about around that is you don't know how that story is going to turn so if you news jacked the fire festival thing and then you know 10 kids died or you know something awful happened well don't you kind of look like the idiot because you jumped before you had a chance to really understand is that right for my brand like is where this story's going going to be right for my brand um and then there are other things that companies do to try and game the system or that some lesser PR companies that try to, so I am 100% a relationship play when it comes to media relations. Okay. Um, and there are a bunch of companies out there that are trying to make PR less expensive for people. And so they're using a technology play that means that there is no relationship. Um, and that to me is something else entirely. 
And so there are things that are going on there with just like, you know, the barrage of hashtags that you might see, or, you know, the barrage of like a step up, basically a step up from comment spam or like a step up from bots, you know, automating. There's a service right now that wants to, you know, they're like, oh, we're a PR agency and we'll, we will send your media alert unedited, no context out to 3000 reporters a month. And then we set up basically an email bot back and forth funnel at the back end. And it's like, that is not media relations. That is not even email marketing. That is straight up spam. And PR is not a numbers game. PR is a relationship game. So the more people try to attach technology or find a technology quote unquote hack to doing PR, I feel like the value comes out of it. Um, you know, media is not getting the value. Um, but the business owner is also not getting the value because there's so much value to be had in learning how to thoughtfully look at your industry, figure out what the trends are to understand your story and know that moment where the trend is right for you to introduce your story and your reason for being and your brand DNA. It's a very natural conversation. And I feel like learning to do that watching and yeah, we can set up tools for that. Like we can set up alerts and, and all sorts of things to make that process easier, but you shouldn't make the process of getting in touch one human to one human easier because at that point it's like, I, I don't know. It creeps me out. <laughs> it totally creeps me out when it's like robots pitching or something. Right, right. And I, I definitely think you bring up a good point. I think a lot of people now, like you said, it's the whole idea, like, can I automate this? Can I use AI machine learning? I don't think mm -hmm. we're there to the point where we're replacing people. Like you said, PR is a people thing. Mm -hmm. So maybe one day, but probably not in our lifetime. Which yeah. leads to my next question. You kind of talked about it, but we always like to ask our guests, what is your favorite tech trend? Yeah. So I am a total human performance nerd. I'm an ultra marathoner and I'm not an ultra marathoner because I necessarily, it's a fitness pursuit for me. I'm the kind of runner where probably it is paying lack of dividends at this point, the amount, the amount that, um, that I like to run. Um, and it's because the human body becomes a machine, right? And there's all sorts of technology coming up right now in a space called transformative tech that just absolutely sets my heart and my soul on fire. So looking at, you know, how can we apply technology to some like pretty ancient, um, almost spiritual pursuits, but, you know, like all the meditation apps coming up or heart rate variability, or, you know, I, I get into some of the, the deeper, more interesting stuff like the, you know, CRISPR technology and would we eventually be able to like, you know, create these humans that don't have these things to deal with at all. But, you know, how are we applying technology to the pursuit of wellness and happiness? I, w I got to be in an um, incubator program with the Transformative Tech Academy at the tail end of last year. And there was like, we're applying blockchain to the pursuit of happiness. And we're, and it's like, how are you doing that? Like, how does that work? What does that look like? I think it's so interesting that we can quantify these things and hopefully apply technological, um, you know, technological solutions or techno technological things to help us 
Um, because honestly, I would rather have a technological intervention than a medical one or a, a drug related one. I think, um, I think our, our minds and our bodies are a lot more like tech than they are like some of the drug stuff that's coming out. Okay. I can go with that. That's actually something I'm now more interested in looking into myself. Mm-hmm. So to segue, uh, before we get into our debunking part of this episode, now let's say because of all your experience, because you worked on things like the Sega Dreamcast, you've worked with Tomb Raider, Sony Electric, and all those big initiatives, let's say a startup or somebody who's coming to you and they're like, hey, we have a product, we have an app, but we have no idea where to get started. Like, what is the process that you will walk that person through? Yeah. Um, so I actually, if they want a really brass tax way to get started, I put together a quick start guide, um, which is like three steps that you can take today so that you can start watching for those opportunities I mentioned earlier, where your trend and the stuff that media is talking about, um, start to overlap. Um, but other than that, you know, I would say that your first step is going to be determining what your budget is. Um, if your budget is in the range, honest to God, like the numbers make me choke too. If your budget is in the range of four to $5,000 a month with probably about a six month, you know, before and after the launch of your product, um, runway, then you can be looking at a PR agency. Um, if you are much below that, honestly, you're going to get those scammy kind of program slash system slash robo pitcher things that I just talked about. And I just don't want to see anybody attaching their good name to that. Um, So you're much better off um, either learning to do it yourself, which is where I have turned. That's what my passion and and my business is right now is teaching emerging brands how to get radically visible. Um, Or you could look at hiring somebody part-time within your company. The benefits of owning the process are just greater if you're below that four to five thousand dollar a month range okay very cool so heather we're going to get to our favorite part of the podcast where we're going to debunk Mm -hmm. some common pr myths so i did a little research before bringing you on the show today so the way we like normally do it as i'm going to make a statement okay it's true and then you're pretty much going to be like no that's wrong and then this is (laughs) okay all right you ready Wish me luck. Hang on. Let me have a sip of my sleepy time tea here. Okay. All righty. Go for it. All right. So number one, PR, it's all about press releases and press conferences and nothing else. (laughs) No, Um, totally it's not. So let me tell you this. A press release is the clunkiest way to tell a story ever. In fact, in order to get something into PR format, you almost have to strip any and all interest, (laughs) anything particularly eye-catching out of it. Um, So I have actually had clients who I got to kind of look over their shoulder at some of the PR that they tried to do for themselves before I started working with them. And they have taken what was a totally compelling story and could have been a two-sentence email to the media and found a press release on the internet and shoved this two sentence thing into like a five paragraph press release format and then sent it to media because they thought that media wanted to see that or that it was like a special key code that was needed in order to communicate with the media. It had to be like in this sneaky format or something. Totally not true. 
Um, you just need to be able to have a conversation with somebody. And all of these things are going away anyhow. So I learned to write an Associated Press style, AP style. Um, it's a very specific way of writing. And I'm on the style guide updates list and they have almost backed off on everything that makes AP style unique, like Oxford comma, use of over than versus more than, um, like all sorts of things that used to be really specific to AP style. Even they are like, this is stupid. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to back off of it. So if you're a solo business owner, um, if you're just starting out, very little reason for you to ever write a press release. Um, and if for some reason you decide that you really need one, just hire somebody who knows how to write press releases. I'm sure there's plenty of people on Fiverr who can write a press release for you. Okay. So going into number two, good products or services don't need PR, only bad products. Hmm. So here's the thing. Um, when you are making outreach to media, it's going to become clear very, very quickly, which one of those you're sitting on. Um, I honestly, I've, I have applied the exact same, um, PR methods to good products and quote unquote bad products. And I've known basically from the very beginning, um, in my heart, which ones are going to win, which ones are not going to win. And here's the thing. Media is a cruel, cruel mistress. Um, and if you have those kind of great two-way relationships with media, they will come back and they'll just be straight up honest with you. Um, and that's part of the reason why we want to develop these types of relationships with media is because if you're thinking about launching that new product or thinking about launching that new service, to have somebody who will be like, girl, you crazy. Like nobody, nobody's going to want that, or that's already been done. Or, you know, I honestly, even I spent a lot of time working in food and I had relationships with media where I could send out like a couple different flavors and be like on the down low, can you try these different flavors? And, and they're great at providing input because they're also part of these industries that they're writing about. Um, so if you have an innately bad product, I would say, why are you launching it? Um, and I would say they're going to know, I mean, it's going to become totally clear. So I would say a good product gets catapulted, gets blown up, gets like, absolutely. That's what makes phenomena is great PR behind a good product, a bad product. You know, I don't want to say I can't help you, but, but like it starts with the product. Right. It is what it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I like, I like that. So number three, this one, uh, I fight with myself because I, I thought of marketing as a whole, but here, anyways, number three, PR can't be measured. And because it can't be measured, it's hard to say it's actually helping me. It's almost worthless because I can't measure it. Yeah. Um, so I'll tell you, uh, there are multi-day conferences that happen multiple times a year and have been happening for the past 30 years of just PR people sitting in a room saying, how on earth do we quantify PR? Like it is the ongoing question within our industry. And I think within all industries is how do you quantify PR? So I can, I can tell you the impression numbers but at a certain point, those stop meaning anything. I had a client where in one year, we got them more impressions than there are people on planet Earth. 
So, you know, can you really say that you reach every single person on planet earth one time in 12 months? Can you say that, you know, those people that you reach were the right people? Can you say how someone interacted with that content? Not really. So what we do is we tend to do a qualitative look at things. So we always, so I'll tell you, clients always want the number. They want the impressions number, no matter what they say, they're always like, oh yeah. And can you also give me the impressions number? Um, but we always try and push them in the direction of a qualitative, um, approach to it, which is you are saying that you want to be the leader in X, Y, Z. How many times did media repeat back that you are the leader in X, Y, Z, or in the case of a food company, you want to be known for organic. How many times did the word organic show up in this article with you? How many times this year versus how many times last year? So you can start kind of moving those qualitative needles pretty quickly. Um, and so a lot of that goes back to understanding what you want to be known for and really solidifying your brand so that you're not just doing PR. So here's another myth. All PR is good PR. Totally not true. Um, you really want to focus your efforts and your attention on those opportunities that are going to solidify that brand that you thoughtfully created. So step one is always going to be thoughtfully creating that. And then step two is going to be based on what that is, how do we measure that? Um, and you're measuring on a couple of things. You're measuring on reputation. Um, you're measuring on, so I had a client in the meal replacement space last year and starting out the year when people talked about the meal replacement space, they were never mentioned. Ending the year when people were talking about the meal replacement space, they were mentioned 75% of the time. So that's a you know, 75% jump in relevance among that industry, right? So that's a measurable gain. And the other thing that I love about the way technology is helping us is it's becoming easier for a PR person to see okay, I put you in outside magazine and we saw, you know, 500 clicks come through outside magazine. Like we're, we're able to see that level of granularity. Whereas before, I mean, you had to pay tens of thousands of dollars a year to be able to see that. And it never trickled down to the PR people. And if it did, it was so buried in like some sort of a report that I could never know. Like, I did X and Y happened as far as people actually interacting with your brand. But now with social media and with, you know, increased accessibility to analytics, there are so many other ways to slice and dice it. Um, but it does remain true. PR's job is to lead a horse to water. It's the, it's the job of other departments within a company to actually get that horse to stick its dang nose in the stream and take a drink, right? It's sales, it's UI, if it's a website situation, um, it's what the actual product is when they get in and look at the features and benefits. It's, you know, what's the pricing structure? How's it, like there are so many other things that go into it that PR could never be 100%, you know, X equals Y from a sales exposure to sales perspective. Okay, which leads in to my last myth for today. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. In order to be successful, you need to hire an expensive PR rep <laughs> or agency. Not true. Not true. Um, so I've actually, it's, it's funny because in the past, so when, uh, two years ago, I left San Francisco, left the glamorous life of, um, of 
you know, agency life and in-house life and like, you know, major big name Fortune 500 company life behind, I moved to the hills outside of Lake Tahoe. I live in Truckee now. And I started an agency because it's what I knew and it's, you know, what I have been told. And some of the rules, you know, starting an agency is never explained to anyone how you do what you do. Like that is your intellectual property. You are worthless if you ever explain to anybody, you know, how you do these things. Um, you know, I was responsible for promoting all sorts of myths that like you had to have decades old media relationships with people that you had to have 3000 person databases that you had to like, you know, have all the subscriptions and all the everything. And, you know, it's just, when I look at that solo business owner, when I look at that emerging brand, um, you know, that person who's just starting out, not only can they do it, they can do it better because they have the one thing that media wants more than anything, which is radical authenticity and an unfiltered point of view. And what happens when you introduce an agency is that they, you know, they're, they're going to earn their keep. They're going to massage you. They're going to maybe get you to kind of go in directions that you're not super comfortable with so that they can win because they know that, you know, like the number game again, like, let me get you to where I can get you the numbers. And then you're like, well, wait a minute though. I'm not entirely sure that I do want to play in the blockchain space, or I'm not entirely sure that I do want to, you know, do this other thing. And it, and it can rob you of your authenticity. And when you get on the phone with media and you're your own brand and you understand your own brand, you're not going to go off brand to yourself. You're not going to have to have a PR person on the phone. Like I was trying to insert myself in the process for probably the past decade when the media is like, I would way rather just talk to the business owner. Like, can you just put me on the phone with the business owner? And I'm there like, well, I need to be on the phone call to make sure that you get everything you need. And if you have any follow-up questions, send them to me. Don't send them directly to the person at the company, you know? And, and it's like, it's a needless interference, I think, especially for someone just starting out. And, and I want them to be able to own those relationships and to understand that they have a seat at any table. And that's really where we're at right now, thanks to technology. It's like the world is flat. You literally can talk to anyone, human to human, and it's like you don't need that intermediary. You don't need somebody, you know, in between. When you get above that $6,000 a month, $5,000 a month limit, like knock yourself out, right? Because at that point, you probably have so much going on that it becomes a time game. Um, or you might end up wanting to have multiple programs. You might want to end up having programs that have touch points in multiple markets. And that can just get overwhelming. But if you're just starting out, I, your first stop should not be an agency. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little passionate about, about that. No, no worries. I like it. So <laughs> you, were, you were able to successfully pass our myth busters on the People on Tech podcast. So thank you so much for going through that. Uh, and before we let you go, Heather, we always like to ask our guests to share anything you're working on. If day one listeners have more PR questions, how can they get in contact with you and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what I'm working on right now, earlier this year, I basically took all the learnings and the tips and the tricks and everything that I have used over the past 23 years with brands like Sony, Sega, IDOS, even David Bowie and Maroon 5, and I turned it into Elevation Visibility 
Elevation Visibility Academy. <laughs> Can't say that three times fast. Um, which is basically a six-week mentorship handheld program where I teach emerging personal brands and emerging entrepreneurs how to do their own PR or, and really do it from the beginning to the end. So how to build that brand that you love, how to build that future-proof brand that's always going to be true for you, and then how to figure out where your audience is, what kind of media are they, are they consuming, what are they looking for when they're consuming that media? What kind of messages do you need to have to get into that media? And basically, I teach people a really thoughtful approach that is basically taking the hour a day that they're probably spending already wormholing on their industry and just giving it a framework and a process so that coverage can come out the other end of that and relationships can come out the other end of that. And they can really benefit from that halo of influence that I talked about earlier that just you can create all the content you want. You can go live every single friggin' day. You can post on Instagram three times a day. When someone else picks that up and runs with it, there is an impact that just will grow your brand like nothing else. So that's Elevation Visibility Academy. If people want to um, get the quick start guide that I mentioned earlier, they can go to Radical Authenticity with a dot before the city, which... I didn't realize when I signed up for that URL how often I was going to have to say it versus write it because it looks really awesome when you write it down. Not so good when you say it. So it's radical authenticity <laughs> with a dot before the city, or you can just go to elevation-strategy.com um, and that will kind of give you a way to get in touch with me to learn more about Elevation Visibility Academy. And then I also have a Facebook group called Media Mavericks, which is just... Um, you know, facebook.com slash group slash media mavericks or however that URL format is. Um, and if you join that Facebook group, it's a closed group. And we just talk about all sorts of topics about getting earned visibility for your business. So we talk about topics of branding. We talk about, um, I just did a live the other day on what to do if you end up in a pitch-a-thon situation, or if you're doing an investor roundtable or something like that, um, how to really kind of um, up level your presentation skills for that. So topics like that all the time, basically all sorts of things about visibility. Awesome. And I will make sure to link all that information in the show notes below. Awesome. So Heather, again, thank you so much for being on the people in tech podcast. I probably will have more PR questions for you as I'm working on other things outside of the podcast, but again, yeah. thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. And for all our day one listeners, this is another great episode. I hope you enjoyed it. We are out. Peace.